having confidence on set is is so key i think if you ever want to make a decision on set or uh, or be in a place to make a decision you have to have confidence like nobody is going to trust you without you having full belief in yourself and knowing that your decision is what you 100 think is the right decision everybody to this second edition of the this industry life podcast i'm your host brandon haskell and i'm your co-host anthony wilson and we're welcoming our new producer katie noble hey guys it's an honor to be here wait would you rather be i think i've messed up your name it's katie garland (laughs) noble it's all good it's katie garland noble but i don't I truly don't care. I'll answer to anything. (laughs) (laughs) So we've been told by our audience that one thing we need to do is introduce ourselves as hosts. Um, So that's basically what this episode is about. And as narcissistic as it is, episode one starts with myself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So basically, I'm going to let Anthony and Katie kick off the podcast they are going to ask me questions and I want to respond to them. So that way our audience gets to know me. And then next week we're going to do Anthony. So you guys get to know Anthony. And then the following week after that, we're going to do Katie. So you guys get to know Katie. Yes. And we'll, we'll always deliver. If you guys have suggestions or feedback, we'll, we're always going to listen and try to do them. Yeah. And I think it's also worth mentioning that season one is an experimental season for us. So we're going to be trying different things having a few guests, trying out new guests, and see how it goes. So my first question for you, Brandon, um, you grew up in Missouri, right? Mm -hmm. How did you get into filmmaking all the way in uh, the Midwest over there in Missouri? Oh boy. Uh, It started out, um, I used to do audio video production for my local church and then from that it spiraled into wanting to make films and I did a lot of promotional videos in high school for the clubs and I was also very involved in broadcast media and I was the director of several news episodes that we did for school and yeah that just spiraled into wanting to do filmmaking were there movies that inspired you as a filmmaker too? That like when you watch them with your dad or your family or just by yourself, you're like, oh, that really makes you want to be a filmmaker watching that? Yeah, I think it's been my number one film forever and that's Saving Private Ryan. I think there's just something so, I don't know, so ambitious about that film that really entertained me, entertains me as a filmmaker. I like the the scope of it. And I think every time that I've watched it, I've always felt the same thing. So I've watched it like a thousand times too. So And it still gives you the same feeling you yeah, had when you watched it yeah. the first time? Wow. And I still catch myself watching behind the scenes of Spielberg directing. Like I was just I literally just watching it last night. So <laughs> It's incredible. What what was he doing in the behind the scenes? Uh it was the last they were filming the last battle, the Battle of Ramel. And there's just something so fascinating to watch directors actually do their thing. And what's cool about the Saving Private Ryan behind the scenes is you actually get to see Spielberg do his thing and how he like talks to actors, which I don't think you really find in many featurettes anymore. Would you say Saving Private Ryan, just to kind of segue into the film you made when you're 19 years old, you're now what, 21? Yep. Yeah. So you made it a couple years ago. It's called Saved by Grace and it's releasing soon. Um, that is a war film. It's a short film. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you say Saving Private Ryan? I mean, it probably did have a lot to do with why you wanted to make Saved by Grace, right? Or at least the inspiration to make a war film. Yeah. I think when going into Saved by Grace, we I knew that Saving Private Ryan had such a big impact on me that I actually tried to avoid it as much as possible because I, I, there's a lot of films that are out there that replicate what they did with Saving Private Ryan and what they did with Band of Brothers. And I wanted my film to be a little bit different. 
And then that's when I came across the movie Hacksaw Ridge. I knew it was different compared to other war movies out there. And I knew that that was the kind of style and tone that I wanted to go for. So that's what led me. Yeah, that's what I thought of, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, it has, your film has like this beautiful innocence to it, which... To all the listeners out there who don't haven't fallen in love with Brandon yet, um, <laughs> he's truly like the most. I know Anthony. I can see your face. You guys are gonna have to get used to me shining on you guys. But Brandon is like the most sincere, true blue person, and I I felt like that really, you know, I really I re- that really like shone through or shined through in your mm-hmm. film, and I know. The new script you're writing, that is also sort of a theme. Um, Is that something that you just do subconsciously or is that intentional? Yeah, I think it is subconsciously because I try and avoid it as much as possible. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's another reason I have issues with the short film that I did. I mean, I think it's, it's a great short film, especially for somebody who's 19 who did their first big break short film definitely I'll, i'm gonna hype you up on that like, it definitely is <laughs> but that's something that i tried to avoid was just i should have been way more gruesome i should have i i should have made it feel more like war rather than a a dream almost what do you think made you hold back on that was it the fact that you're 19 and you got these investors investing in a short film that's like you know your third short film ever mm-hmm. like what was holding you back to you know, kind of dig deeper. I just, I don't think I was comfortable at the time. I think that's all it comes down to is, Oh, I wanted to kill this person, but do I really want to show that? Do I really want to get some squibs and like really shoot them up? Or do I just want to end it with a cut? I don't think I was mature enough as a filmmaker to want to tackle. I don't know, like a, I feel like also when you're doing a period piece, you have to authentically show what's going on. And yeah, I just don't think I was ready for that. That's understandable. It is. But what shocks me is that you were ready to even just make it. I think that's was such a tremendous feat for a 19 year old to just be like, fuck it. I'm going to make this movie, you know, like, how did you get to that place where you're just like, I'm fucking doing this? <laughs> well, we never knew we never knew that we were actually gonna have money behind it. Okay. So I knew, okay, July 29th, 30th, and August 1st, I'm gonna make this film. And no matter how much money I have, I've had all I had like three different ways that we were actually gonna film it, and each one depended on how much money we got. So I knew once I set my production date that no matter what, I'm gonna film this. So I think that's what uh, made me actually accomplish it and, yeah, get the wishes that I wanted. So you just sort of like, you set the dates and then you said, okay, I have to get every duck in a row to make this. And I mean, I don't know. I just think that's so incredible for a 19-year-old. Most 19-year-olds can't get out of bed by like 12.30 p.m., you know? Like, how did you, (laughs) I just think that's so amazing. Was it just something you just kind of came up with and you're just like, all right, here we go. Yeah, I think I, I wrote the script a year before. So I was a senior in high school when I wrote the script. But yeah, I just always knew, especially after watching Hacksaw Ridge. And I'm pretty a- obsessed with like the earlier periods of history, like 1960s and before. I'm just like so obsessed with them. And I knew that I had to make either a film to get over that obsession or a film to dive more into that obsession. When you're in high school writing Saved by Grace, did you ever think, fast forward a year later, that you'd be making it? And also, while you're writing it, were you like, you know, sometimes when you write stuff as an indie young filmmaker, you're avoiding certain things because of budget, like, oh, I can't put a grenade in there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, So while you, while you were writing Saved by Grace, one, did you think it was going to get there? to where it is and two um were you like thinking about the feasibility side of it like what you can afford or yeah i think i think also that's why the script kept developing is because we knew we had oh we have this much money now so we can afford this location now and i think the very initial script is very uh it's very bare bones i think it all takes place in in the woods and then I think as 
time went on, we got more money. We realized, and I got more ambitious as a person. I kept adding more things in and more sets, but it was, it was always sets that I knew I could actually go to. So like the church in the film, I knew that I could only, I could rent that for $25 a day. Or I knew the land I would have access to because my dad's a farmer. So I had 7,000 acres that I could choose from. So it's, it's just those kind of things that led me to make this, make the decisions that I did, I guess. When you mentioned the church scene, it reminded me of the cinematography, which I actually, I thought you DP'd it, but I guess Micah did. I was, the, he got all these flares in the church scene. It's like beautiful cinematography. I was really impressed. I really wanted that scene to be very uh, romantic and kind of a sense of like art romantic. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to do the flare. And that's the only scene we actually used diffusion on front in front of the lens. So that way we could heighten the flares and make it look a little more soft and dreamy because it's she's finishing the prayer from Francis. So I don't know. I just wanted there to be this um, this visual relationship between the two. I, I love that scene. Yeah, I definitely see the romanticism in it. Um, and we'll, we'll post a, a teaser in the uh, podcast details so you guys can see a For glimpse sure. of it before it comes out. Yeah, so you're kind of talking about the cinematography of that scene, and it got me thinking. Um, I know before you did Saved by Grace, you are more, even though you're young, you're still more trained as a cinematographer. So coming on set to Saved by Grace, what parts of your cinematographer knowledge and brain did you have to turn off, and what parts did you have to turn on to be a director only on set? Yeah, so that's very interesting because when we first started when we were in pre-production phases, everybody on my team was like, Brandon, we like don't want you touching the camera. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Like I should probably learn how to be how to deal with actors. So that's what I did. Like most of the time I looked at monitor and I was just like, Yeah, it's good. And then I would go and just talk to the actors for as long as I could. Um, but it wasn't till day three when we actually ran into like um, time issues that I was like, okay, I, I actually want the camera here. Let's shoot like the reverse here. Let's do this and this and this, and actually like ignored the shot list for a while. And I think day three was the only day that I really, uh, acknowledged the cinematography rather than just the actors. When acknowledging the actors and talking to them, um, as a director, how do you put an actor in a warlike scenario, like you can't be like, all right, your dog's dead. Like what's, what do you, how do you get their heads there? I know they, you know, it's a collaboration, but like, how did you at least get mm -hmm. them in the mindset? I think it's very, it's very difficult. Like you can't say, basically what I would do is on set. I'd be like, okay, Spencer realize there's Germans behind you and they're literally here to kill you. That's like the only kind of notes that you can give them. Because what real life scenario have they been have has your actor been through that can relate to that? And it's like as a director, do I actually want to go there with that actor? Um, so a lot of times I would just tell him, set up what's actually happening, um, and then let his imagination run to where it wanted to run to. And also I tried with set design and uh production design to make it feel like he was actually where he should be. Um, that's why we had the cars. That's why he had a real gun. That's why we were out in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah. With period pieces, there's always this challenge that you can take an audience member out with one second just by showing the wrong car from the wrong picture or just like just not achieving what it was actually like to be um, in the war. Um, so how did you make it realistic? Uh, so, yeah, I think... It's two to three months of pre-production. Like right when I got off the summer break at college, it was like, okay, I want to make the short film. Let's do it. Um, so art direction, I was getting props in those two months. Um, we actually booked every single car that you see in the film. I didn't even know if I was going to have cars till the week before filming. Wow. That was one thing that actually never crossed my mind that if I'm going to film this scene that I have to have cars. So my grandpa knew like tons of people that 
came through and drove their old cars up to the up to the uh, factory. That's awesome. You probably love that. That yeah. is so <laughs> cool, Brandon. They oh love that. Oh my god. The main car is actually the same car that's it's in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, and Sick. I think it's in uh, Cinderella Man as well. And it's in Saved by Grace. Yeah, and now Saved by Grace. <laughs> and your grandpa knew this guy. Yeah, he just knew this guy. I didn't even know. I just printed out a map of like where I wanted everything, and then. I came to set that morning and saw all these cars parked there and people outside. And I was like, wow, this is, this is cool. This is going to be authentic. So I think, um, a lot of my ideas for art direction was coming from just years and years and years of watching documentaries about World War II, watching movies about World War II, um, and just picking little bits and things from my memory and placing those in the film. You said you liked Hacksaw Ridge because it did something different in the war genre. And with so many war films and short films out there, what makes yours stand out from the rest? I mean, I think I think what's so interesting, this is very, a very surface level answer, but I think what's so interesting about Saved by Grace is how it's not just like manpower the entire movie. We actually have cutscenes that um, involve women back at home working. And I don't think that's ever been shown in a film um where they're actually in the factories working i loved the rosie the riveter type like nods you had in there and that they were all kind of like struggling with their own losses and their own pain and they were like i know the first shot i think was you see her dirty fingernails Mm -hmm. and at first i thought that was like a little kid and then you realize oh her fingernails nails are dirty because she's working in those like grimy factories like those little details brandon were really impressive for a first-time filmmaker at 19. definitely thank you um and i think a lot of that i also have to give credit to micah he also helped me write and we had the discussion about what are these little things that we can put in there that um make it feel like she's a hard worker even though we don't like actually see her working right what are some of the constraints of making a war film on a low budget oh every constraint you can possibly imagine (laughs) um i've been doing zoom calls with the cast and crew lately and a few times we mentioned about how making this film was literally going to war like not to discount veterans and i 100% know or don't know, but understand how tough it is to actually fight in a battle. Um, Ours was different. Um, But I think we fought literally every single filmmaking battle we possibly could have. And we had a rain delay two of the three days. We had weapons that were supposed to be shipping to us that actually never shipped. We... Oh my goodness. It's just so, there's just so much that went, we had like lens issues. Everything was going so, so wrong, but I forgot what your question is actually. Uh, I was just asking like the, the difficulties, um, of making a war film with a low budget. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think everybody, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately too about directors and they're like, budget actually doesn't define how easy your shoot's going to go. It just defines how good of coffee you're going to get on set. So I think with our budget, it was kind of a, it was a medium tier budget for a short film. Um, But I think it allowed us to make mistakes or allow things to happen and then actually recoup from them. Um, Do you feel like a war film or the war genre is something you'd want to revisit one day or with what you did with Say by Grace, with what you had do you feel satisfied and don't want to revisit it one day? I, I'm not satisfied whatsoever. I think I still got like three more period pieces in me. So (laughs) I have a question and it's, I love Anthony's heavy hitters. I really do. Like he's coming in hard with them and I love them. (laughs) But but I want to, I want to like circle way back. Cause you, I just think you have such a cool story, Brandon. Like, I think it could inspire a lot of people um, just getting a little more, like telling a little more about your journey. Like you made films that you didn't talk about yet when you were younger. Yeah. Let's talk about how, you know, the Lego stop motions to say by grace. 
Oh my. <laughs> That's a good idea. Actually, Saved by Grace was supposed to be a stop motion animation. That's where that's why I wrote the script when I did was because that's when I was doing all my animations because I didn't know if I would ever be able to make a movie of that size, but I could build a movie that size. That's awesome. But it wasn't until college that I realized, why, why don't I just make this like a live action? I actually have some clips I can show you guys that are saved by grace in stop motion form. Those <laughs> Legos? That would yeah. be so Hell yeah. cool. Yeah, I would Anthony, love to see those. Do you know what Brandon got me today? What did he get? What did he get you? He got me a leg. I have my own Lego figure. Oh my! With your face and everything. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's that one over there. Oh, that's awesome! Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the best gift you can get from Brandon. Is if you get a Lego from Brandon, it it means something. Oh my God! It's it's so special. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, okay, so that was that was an awesome answer, Brandon. But I also want to know, like, how did you decide to come to LA? Like, how what was that journey like? And was your family supportive and all that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, my family's always been supportive of whatever I want to do, and I think that's something that's so um special for a young filmmaker is if their parents are behind them um then the filmmaker can really worry about the art form itself um sorry what was the last half of the question oh yeah the and then, um, so that's amazing i love that your family because you come from a more traditional family like which is so beautiful and i think it makes you the sincere person that you are but i think it's awesome that they support you you know in your creative endeavors. Mm -hmm. um, but my next question was, how did you decide to go from college, which uh, I don't know if you want to talk about where you went to LA? Oh, right, right. So my senior year of high school, I decided to join, actually, excuse me, let me restart. <laughs> Uh, my junior year of high school, I decided I would join FBLA, Future Business Leaders of America, uh, competed in a competition called Video Production, and I made this trailer for a film, and it was called Businessman, <laughs> and basically that got us to nationals, so that's when I come out to California, and then after that trip, I realized that that's the place that I want to be. That is so cool. I never knew that story. Yeah. But you're in film school, right? You're studying film uh, before that? No. Or I'm sorry, that was your senior year of high school. That was senior year of high school. I never graduated college. But you went to film <laughs> school after? Yeah, I went to film school after after high school. Okay. At and the University of Missouri. And why, why did you decide to drop out? Um, I decided to drop out because Say by Grace happened. And I had a professor that called me into his office one day and he said, uh, Brandon, if you like really want to pursue your career in film and you did this short film, which none of my students have ever done, and you have the prospect of doing a feature in the future, he's like, why are you still going to school here? Um, so it was that day that I realized that I was just going to finish a semester. And then after the semester ended, I was going to book it to Los Angeles to start my career in film that's awesome were you excited scared like when you said that you're like all right i got like yeah that, that a lot was, of confidence. Uh, that was like week three of the new semester and i called my parents and i'm like i'm like we you realize we don't have to pay tuition in like a week could i like drop out now like could i just leave now and they're like no we want you to stay the the extra semester which was great because I actually learned a lot in that last semester because I didn't take any liberal arts. I just took film classes. Um, but yeah, then after that, I moved out in January. That's amazing. What was your experience when you first came here? What did you What did you think? What were you afraid of or excited by? I mean, I just wanted to be able to afford rent, and that's all. But yeah, it was just a bunch of uh, setting, applying to jobs, trying to connect with people. And I started doing some PA work and then, um, yeah, and then now I'm trying to work my way at the camera department and be a cinematographer and also direct. So, yeah. 
Can I, can we tell the story of how you guys met? Yeah. <laughs> so I met Anthony on the set called. <laughs> Do we even mention the set? I, let's keep it a mystery. Yeah. Let's, let's keep it a mystery. <laughs> Anyways, Anthony and I met on a set. I was Sam's assistant camera. And then on the way there, I heard that we had a B camera. And then that's where I met Anthony was I, I was his assistant camera, basically. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, helped me get my small HDMI cord into my monitor. He, he pulled out a little utility knife and scraped the edges so it'd fit in there. And I'm like, this kid's, this kid's, uh, he's got it. Just after he did that, I knew he was something special. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, a gruesome shoot and, um, we were put through the ringer there. Um, but having Brandon and Sam who we're going to talk to on the podcast, um, having them there really made it a positive experience. Yeah. You guys have been bros ever since. Yeah. It was quite a gruesome three months of probably the worst set I've ever been on. But the nice <laughs> thing about going through hell with people is you actually come out, um, with better relationships. So that's where I met Anthony. Yeah. Was that your first gig in LA or no? You d you've done some work prior, right? Yeah, that was in September, August or September. Yeah, I've been working since January. I think I picked up my first PA gig like three, no, two weeks while being here. I started working on a feature and then wow. from that spiraled into Food Network shows and more reality shows and another feature and then another feature and then a TV show. Were you expecting that before you moved? Did you kind of understand the realism of what it takes to actually live here as a filmmaker? Or do you think you're just going to come here and start making movies? Yeah, I thought I was just going to come here and start making movies. It's quite a... I knew it was... I was going to have to start low and work my way up. But I didn't know it was going to be as hard as it actually is. What kept you going? Or what's kept you going? Because you're such a positive person. Like I, I didn't even know it was it was that hard. It makes me sad, like, but you're, it obviously made you stronger, you know? I mean, I think what keeps me going is that drive to make movies. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's such a cliche answer, but, um, that's the only reason that I keep doing what I want to do is because I just love it so much. Um, what do you think is the difference from when you first moved here to where you're at now, as far as the work you're getting and just your confidence in living here? Uh, I think... I've grown as a filmmaker the past from the past year and a half of just being on set, uh, watching other people do their thing. Um, I think that has led me to be more confident. Uh, I think every time that I get on set now, I know exactly what to do, what my boundaries are, um, what each department does. Um, I think I just, I come to set now with a, a understanding of everything and uh, uh before moving to los angeles i would have never had that i would have been so nervous like i mean if you watch behind the scenes of saved by grace you can see how nervous i am through the entire process and i think now living in los angeles and understanding how the industry works and what everybody's job is i think i would be way more confident as um a director now if you were to watch me Absolutely. Yeah, you definitely, both you and Anthony are super confident on set. And it's really impressive for people that are so young. But I think it is because you guys have done every single job there is that, you know, you're interested in. And so, like you said, you have that like, okay, I got this. I know what to do. And I think that's a good thing to bring up is like your boundaries as well, you know, because mm -hmm. you do, there are certain like departmental boundaries that are important to have awareness about mm -hmm. and i think too uh just like having confidence on set is is so key i think if you ever want to make a decision on set or uh, or be in a place to make a decision you have to have confidence like nobody is going to trust you without you having full belief in yourself and knowing that your decision is what you 100 think is the right decision right and i feel like when I first heard that, I feel like you can get that mixed up with thinking that, okay, when you are dealt with a situation where you have to have like a confident answer, like, oh yeah, I want that or whatever. Um, 
you feel like you have to like just say something, which mm-hmm. just, I don't know, I just, just kind of want to go deeper into what you said, just because that doesn't mean to be fake confident. Like you should have yeah. the confidence. Um, if you don't have an answer for something, that's okay. Like that's why you have a team to collaborate with and figure it out. And that's what pre-production is for. But um, would you agree with that? I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think if you are going to tell somebody a answer to a question, I think that's why I said like you have to 100% believe in yourself that that's the right answer because if you like if you 50% believe in yourself then that's probably not the right decision and you're not you're not being confident in your decision I guess yeah do you um so now that you're in LA um do you think you should have like a path as far as because I know you direct and you also do cinematography and PA and all that stuff um, do you think it's important to pick one and and try to work the ladder to get there to or is it okay to have all these different I think as a filmmaker you should do whatever um you should do everything because that's gonna allow you to actually be a filmmaker um and then while you're doing that, I think it is valuable to find uh your path. Um, I think starting out, do whatever, do everything, do PA and try to be in the camera department, uh, walk around a director, um, do everything. And then as you do that for like a year, then it's probably time for you to hone in on a special skill that you absolutely love. And once you do that, then you can, I think it's easier to find the path upwards um, because without um, knowing what you want to do, there's no way to find a path, a, the correct path to go. You're just almost kind of floating. Just kind of speaking about doing everything. Um, do you feel like in Saved by Grace, I thought it was cool that you had the privilege to work with so many different roles. Cause I feel like when you're starting out, you like, you kind of do a lot yourself. You edit the short film yourself. You even, you might even shoot it yourself. You might color it yourself. So what was it like to be able to work with, a colorist as a director to be to, to be able to work with a colorist a composer and just like uh costume all that stuff mm-hmm. uh it was it was something else i think it's a huge learning experience to just get thrown in that position where you actually have all these different departments that you actually have to tell an answer to and i think i learned so much by that experience and i think i learned the value of each department. And I also learned the value of my voice as a filmmaker to um, tell these different departments the right thing. Another question that uh, I had about Say by Grace that I kind of want to bring back up is that um, what made investors put their money into a project that's directed by a 19 year old who only has a couple Lego stop motions under his belt. And and obviously (laughs) there's other things I'm just kidding, but, um, but like what, what, what do you think it was for them to trust you? Well, none of that information was out anywhere on the internet at that time. So (laughs) I didn't have a website (laughs) or anything. So, um, I think it was easier to persuade and we had a proof of concept too, that just helped, um, persuade investors that we were like professional filmmakers and yeah i think um from that concept video and doing it right i think that's what enticed our ep maddie moore to come in and save the project if you don't mind me asking brandon how did you connect with her because that was kind of a kind of an amazing connection to have at such a young age like to have this experienced executive producer just kind of swoop in that was kind of fantastic um, yeah, so we did this concept trailer, put it on Indiegogo, started our Indiegogo campaign. And then one random day, we literally just got an email from Maddie that said, I saw your your concept trailer and I really want to invest in your film. Wow. And then outlined like what we have to do to want her to invest in it and stuff like that. So yeah, I was just putting, I guess, putting myself out there, putting the film out there and um, allowing people to um join it i guess cool but you guys have continued to work together so you've also like shot some other projects for her yeah so after say by grace i she sent me a, her tv show script 
And that's another reason why I kind of just wanted to move out to Los Angeles because I knew that there was probably this production coming to LA that I could hop on. Um, but I saw the script and and then she just kept developing it. And then now I've been DPing that, that TV show and it's called King of K Street. Um, they're trying to get it on streaming and yeah, it was, it's been, um, a great relationship to have. It's incredible. And how, how do you DP so well? Like, I'm just, I'm very curious because you have a really specific eye that is kind of rare and yeah. So how do you think that was like, just cause you did so much stop motion or like, how, how do you think that came about? I think it's just a natural thing that, that filmmakers can get mm. is having the eye for shots. Um, but yeah, I, it's a tough answer. It's a tough one to answer. What inspired you to shoot like the way you do? Uh, I'm still trying to figure out what my style is, so I don't really have an answer to that either. Well, what what, what are you <laughs> what are you drawn to when you see images or things in life or films? Like, what what do you see? What usually catches your eye? Usually, darker darker images catch my eye, but um, I think I really just like um, cinematography that fits the story so well. I think that's yeah. <laughs> what it comes makes, down that to. Makes sense to me. I think that's why I make the choices that I do is because oh this would be in the TV show it's like oh this would be funny here so why don't we get like an anamorphic lens so that way when there's this romance scene I can have these flares and we can really have fun with it and I think um those little things are what uh makes cinematography so great is um, when you can find these little elements um, through the medium of cinematography, like flares, color, and camera movement that really like serve the story and make um, it more of a emotional piece rather than just a observational piece, I guess. When you, when you read the television script or any script you get for being a cinematographer what is your process when it comes to reading do you like to like read it first and then read it again and understand the visual side of it or like what's your process i don't think i can ever stop thinking about visuals so the first time i'm reading it i'm already imagining um what the script should look like or what i think it should look like and then yeah i'll just read it like once or twice and then will be called in to do shot listing and discuss the script with the director. And that's when I get to learn what they want. And then I try and find a medium where I can serve the director and get the director what he wants, but also serving myself and getting what I want. So that flipping that when you're wearing your director hat, does the movie kind of play in your head? Do you sort of already see it? Like, or is it just sort of something spontaneous? that happens in the moment on set? I definitely, I definitely see it. Um, I think I just was reading Anthony a quote before we um, started this, which is from the director that did The Goldfinch. He said, there's the movie you are making and then there's the secret movie you are making and you have to find a medium between the two. And I think um, as a director, I think you always have this vision inside your head of, of what you want the product to look like, to feel like, to actually like cut together. But then when you're on set, it, it, your fantasy does not come true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a good director, um, can, can pick out little things from his fantasy that he can make work in this, uh, new movie that you are, that you are making. And I think, yeah, and I think that that's something that I have to learn as a director. And I think that's kind of why I was uncomfortable when doing Saved by Grace because nothing was coming out to like what I want. Nothing was looking like how I wanted it to look. Um, But that's not necessarily the point. The point is for it to work and for you to love the way that it works. With what you were writing and what you made during production – what to you is Saved by Grace about from from what it was originally going to be about? And what do you think it's about when an audience member watches it? What do you think it's about to them? 
<laughs> Damn. <laughs> what do I think? It's an that's a tough one just because I'm not an audience member when I watch it. If, but answer it first. I'd love to hear like what like thematically, um, visually, what were you trying to make? Like when you when it first popped in your head, when you started writing it, maybe like at that point before mm-hmm. production, what was it? I mean, it's it's very surface level and it's literally I just wanted to make a period piece film. It wasn't until after I finished editing did I realize like how much deeper it actually is than than just being a period piece that's awesome that's a cool realization to have yeah and yeah there's like i think the film is interesting because there's just so many levels that you can go to there's like the surface level of oh there's he was saved by grace who is a female and then there's like a religious level where he was actually saved by god's grace because god was who allowed that instance to happen and you can just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper if you really want to and i think that's something that makes a film good is when you can always just keep peeling back layers until you think you have it figured out i think i think that's also something that uh defies an amateur versus uh, a veteran is the amount of layers that you can go through i know uh you had micah now we're going back to Save by Grace. Hope it's all right. But I know <laughs> you, I know you had Micah DP it. Um, why, why did you make that choice as someone who loves cinematography? Like, would you ever want to sh- direct and shoot something? I think that's something I really want to do, and I really have really? interest in doing. I'm just in awe because I to me that almost seems impossible. But sorry, keep talking. It it does it sounds impossible because there's so much to do. But to me, it sounds very like. That sounds like the way that I can get what I actually want. I feel want. like it almost sounds like easier almost to you sounds. than just directing. <laughs> yeah, because cause there's this one medium of a person that you don't have to communicate your idea to. Yeah. There's Yeah. I mean, I would be the head of another department. And I just, I, I don't know. I feel like it'd be so much easier to convey my ideas because I would be solely in control of my ideas. But And I just feel so comfortable behind the camera. That's another thing. That is so cool. That like just reminds me of like those musicians that like play drums and play piano and like sing and like have an accordion all at the same time. <laughs> but like I think that is so cool and I I could totally see you doing it, Brandon. Well, and thank I'd be, you. I'd be behind the camera just like beaming with pride. <laughs> I think I think though before I take on the task of DPing and directing, I need to learn how to do both of them separately first. Mm, right. What do you think, um, what's something on set, as you can answer as both roles, a director, cinematographer, what's something on set that you're trying to get better at? I don't, I feel like um, when I come to set sometimes, I I don't have this uh, type of energy that I think is needed to keep going, to keep um basically the entire train chugging along and i think uh i think i need to find that energy that i'm comfortable with that i can that that can help me literally survive and help other people survive on on set i think you're so good at that like i already think you're the master of that honestly but so if you could improve upon that then that means you will be most energetic If you were to go back to your Save by Grace set, what would you do differently? Uh, have a lot more energy and <laughs> help make that boat keep going. Obviously, Saving Private Ryan. And then what are some other movies that like are just like on your top, your top, top? Mm-hmm. Let me pull up my list. Saving Private Ryan, Darkest Hour, Prisoners, The Help. Black Mass, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Indiana Jones, Last Crusader, Whiplash, Joker, and Hacksaw Ridge. And two honorable mentions, Shawshank Redemption and Parasite. Those are all, yeah, I see I see a lot of those in your work, I feel like. Um, what what about those movies do you like? I mean, what's, they all kind of, they're all different, but mm-hmm. um, I, if you want to mention a couple. Uh, I think it's just the... Uh, the realism that comes with every single one of those movies. I, I, yeah, I just feel like they're all authentic, authentic movies. 
Dope. <laughs> I'll take that. Back to like, I remember you guys were asking Ben about that, and I like I think Anthony pinned that his work was about kind of like the innocence of childhood or something, and I feel like your work is just about authenticity because like that's who you are at your core, you know, and mm-hmm. and showing that in different in different ways, different through different stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would say that's probably why I'm so attracted to period pieces is because there is this level of authenticity that you have to do in every step of the way of making those that that is so important to the making of those films. So what are you guys working on? I am working on a new feature script with Katie called A Special Piece, and it is about um, basically a high schooler who builds Legos and finds his way to become a man basically is it a documentary about you uh it is a narrative about me <laughs> yeah yeah and I, i've read a few drafts and it's it's a really it's a really cool unique and it's going to be very funny too uh script um and what, what i mean what's what's your are you excited about it it's a feature right it's your first feature that you're writing yeah i How's think that feel? i think uh something about myself is once I can envision a a project. I like have to make it. Like it's like we and Katie were talking, and I'm like was nervous about because I was expecting like a three to four year timeline, and she's like, no, like let's do this like soon, and I was very very nervous about that. But then once I realized that it was like a year, I was like, no, let's do it. Like Hell it's yeah. time. Let let's get the let go. <laughs> Yeah. Let's get the cameras rolling and let's let's uh, let's make this thing. So, I think that's something that keeps me driving, and uh, that's why when I get on to a new project, I can't get off of the project until we finish it. I think it's a really cool uh, trait to have because I feel like a lot of us, even me, like have a lot of projects that just end up on the back burner. Like you, mm-hmm. yeah. Brandon and I promised each other that this movie has its own life it's already made and we're just helping bring it to life but it already it's already there it already exists and like you know i think that's it's so easy to go into like fear or you know life gets in the way or whatever but as long as you stay committed you can you can get there even if you get to there's always going to be delays there's always going to be challenges that's why we're here. I'm learning. It's not like supposed to be easy or if it was easy and perfect, we wouldn't want to do it. We'd be bored. I was, I was, uh, I was watching hidden figures, uh, two nights ago. Um, and basically the guy that was the lead engineer that was leading the team, he said, we're never going to get to the moon unless if we already believe that we're at, that we're there at the moon. And I think that's so like that transitions to filmmaking so well, because once you believe that you are, that you're there, that you are making it, you actually will succeed in making it. Exactly. That is a beautiful story, yeah, Brennan. I love that. How about you, Anthony? Um, I'm I'm writing a couple things and then I'm uh directing my friend's music video for his seventh song EP. So I just finished getting that treatment together and we're gonna start shooting it and yeah, I'm just doing. I'm doing a whole bunch of things. <laughs> there's a lot. Anthony's of, always doing things. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things going on, but I'm trying to go to the moon. Can you tell us which musician it is, or is that still on the? No, it's all right. It's my, it's just my friend Grady. He's just uh, a super talented musician who's very experimental as well, and just has a beautiful sound. And I just love, as a director, I feel like. You know, film was obviously the first thing that I wanted to do, but music videos, I feel like as a kid, I just like was obsessed with all of them. And it's always been my dream to kind of find like that artist because like every director has like an artist. And that's why you see so many music videos directed by the same person sometimes because they, you know, they kind of came up together. And um, yeah, you can look up Grady on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, <laughs> whatever. What, do you, what are you working on, Katie? I am writing a special piece with Brandon, and it's so beautiful, and we're so excited about it. Um, I'm working, I have a, the feature we all finished that where we all met, or where I met the guys, uh, the one you feed, that's finished, and so yeah, 
to be announced type thing with the one you feed. And then, um, and then, yeah, working on producing the next feature with my best friend, Gareth Corzen, who will definitely have his own episode. He's this incredible South African actor. He's got this like mega talent and, uh, what else? And then, yeah, I just, uh, started a new job as a producer so for this new company so i'll be able to probably say more next time but pretty excited can we talk about uh i feel like we should talk about special piece more about brandon yeah let's do it brandon yeah tell us about it and how it came about and that backstory from your youth oh boy how it came about um it came about uh thinking of I have this book that I, when I think of a new idea, I write it down. Um, and I just went back and revisited and I saw uh, that I had wrote down a Lego rom-com. And then I was like, you know what, that I should try and make that. Um, and then I had a few coffees with Katie and then she's like, I love it. And let's, let's start working on it. So yeah, we've been working on it for quite a while now, actually since our first coffee meeting. Um, but we're hoping to get the script done, or at least a rough draft, by the end of August. So audience members hold us to that. Yeah, I love I love how Brandon, you guys are both pretty good about that, like doing, you know, timelines and things like that. I can, I can get a little lax. So it, I think it's helpful to stay on track. Um, I think that timelines are one thing as a filmmaker that you have to have. Because A, the film industry is not waiting on you. And B, if you know that you have a deadline, um, you know the steps that you can take to get to that deadline. Are you excited to be in the director's chair again for your special piece eventually? Yes, I am super excited. I think um, going back on being here in Los Angeles, I think I've grown as a filmmaker. I think there's so much more I personally have to offer to a set now. And yeah, I'm just so ready to do another production. That's another thing is I'm just like so sick and tired of waiting on people to do things. And I'm just like, the only way for me to actually keep doing things is if I actually step in the director's chair and keep doing these projects. So yeah, there's a tangent for you. No, that's so, it's so true, right? I mean, I think that's, we all have to do that. We have to just like, whether it's the accountability group or whatever you do, or, you know, for you, Brandon, it seems like you just have that inner, like you said, that inner drive and you're just like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And uh, I love that. I think the one thing that really concerns me, and we can start a discussion about that, is pigeonholing in the industry. And I'm I just don't want to be pigeonholed into just directing and I don't want to be pigeonholed in just DPing. I want to be able to move between whichever one I want. Um, and that's kind of like my only bigger career um, scare is not being able to do what I want and move between whatever I want. But yeah, I think because the indie film world um, has become as big as it is now, um, I think that has allowed, uh, the studio is like almost there's there, but they're almost like non-existent for the lower tier movies. And I think that allows you to do whatever you want, but yeah, I'm just afraid that further down in my career when I'm able to, I ha I'm going to have to like choose between the two and not be able to do what I want. I, I mean, in a way, it, maybe that would be like an awesome position to be in. Like, I'm so in demand, like as a director that like, I don't even have time to DP, but like, I'm going to set aside, I already have all this money and like, I'm going to set aside a year and just DP. Like, that'll be pretty cool, right? I mean, it'll be a good spot to be in. I think too, a uh, big deciding factor in between directing and DPing is the script too. Cause like there's scripts that I get that I don't want to, I don't even want to direct. I'm like, I, like, I can't do this, but I might want to DP that. Mm, that's interesting. What are the difference between those two? Sometimes you think like what makes you want to direct it? What makes you want to DP it? Uh, if it's like, I think if it's super ambitious and I just don't have the, I don't know. That's not a good answer. Yeah, it is. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's honest. I think you're right. I feel like that's what I was gonna say if someone asked me that is like, yeah, if this was like a lot to handle with that, you know, handle and I didn't come for me originally. Like it's it's there's a difference when something's ambitious and it's someone else's work, but or, or when it's ambitious and it's your own work. Like I'd feel like I would not wanna direct a project if I can't uh become one to one with the project, if that makes sense. I can't I wouldn't have anything value to give as a director. I could visually give a value, but I couldn't like give my voice per se as a director to that project. I'm so young. We're all so young. And it's hard to discuss these things when you don't actually have years and years of experience to know the right answer. I think that's something we should also point out with this podcast too is we three are all filmmakers that are constantly learning and um this podcast is not the bible it's not the truth um it's just what we're living in yeah trying to figure it out trying to learn things yeah we're just yeah and hopefully people can young people or people just starting out can get some insight from us and um and we can also get insight from the guests we have at the same time so we're all learning at the same time Exactly. And that's what it means to be in the industry life. Wow. That was great. <laughs> that was slick. Um, yeah. Thank you for uh, giving us your time, Brandon, and for opening up about yourself and talking about your process and everything. Yeah. Tune in next week where we will interview Anthony. And then the next week after that will be Katie. Yay. And yeah, thank you, Brandon. Thank you for being you. Um, thank you for creating this podcast. It was your brainchild. And I think it's gonna, yeah, I think my hope, I think all of our hope is that it's gonna inspire other people. Because like Anthony said, we're all learning. This is just, that's part of life. And anybody can do anything if they put their mind to it. Exactly. Katie, you're at the top of a skyscraper. And the bottom of the skyscraper is burning. <laughs> and you have every single DVD you could ever imagine at the top of the skyscraper. But nobody else has those DVDs. So what three movies do you throw down to the people on the ground for them to watch? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't have time to watch any of them. You just got to save them. You have to throw them off the ledge for other people to catch. Do I think maybe I think I have a shot at surviving, so maybe I want to keep the good ones. I don't know. Ooh. Mm. Um, well, I'm telling you, you're not going to survive. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it! I didn't. I wasn't ready today for this. Um, I did really good last time you guys asked me, and now I can't think. Okay, I'm gonna leave the French film. I love that movie. Call me by your name. Another. Oh. I'm going. I'm going like heavy European cinema for some reason. Um, I love Call Me by Your Name. That was one of the most moving films I've ever seen. And uh, I don't know. Hacksaw Ridge is pretty damn good. Prisoners is pretty damn good. Uh, I I love Casablanca. It's probably yeah. I know Casablanca. That's it. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, you can now wa- listen to our podcast on every single platform out there. Hey. Spotify, Apple, Google, you name it. It's on there. Sweet. And the outro song is by our good friend, Billy Hammer. You can find his music in the show's details on the podcast. Check out his stuff. It's great. And thank you for tuning in. And thank you, Katie, for joining us in our first episode. And we're excited to have you on all of them going forward. I love you guys. You guys are my sunshines and I'm excited to connect with our listeners and meet all these happy, beautiful, inspiring people. And you can find the podcast on Instagram as this industry life podcast. And yeah, for our listeners out there, you know, we really want to create a beautiful community. So we want to hear what you're working on. We want to see your projects, your visuals, what inspires you. So tag us hit us up we're super excited to see what you guys are working on yeah you can email us at this industry life podcast at gmail.com thank you so much for listening and tune in next week for the next podcast where we interview your co-host anthony wilson thanks for listening bye peace ciao bye